James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, these are God's words. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? The source of faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works, not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works, when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. So in the first 13 verses of chapter 2, you remember he was treating the problem in the churches of brothers showing partiality to the rich uh, and against the poor, uh, which of course is a violation uh, of the law of God, the commandments, uh, and not only a violation of the sixth commandment, uh, and of the ninth commandment, but also remembering that the Ten Commandments are the commandments of Jesus, that we take his character and his commandments uh, as uh, requirements uh, upon us, for he is our king, and we are in his kingdom, and so his law, the moral law of the Ten Commandments, and the applications of the implications of God's character and Jesus's character for our life. That law is the royal law. It's the law that the king demands of us. And even more preciously, it's the law that describes what Jesus himself, the king, is like. And it's also the law of liberty, that we, having been liberated by Jesus, not only from the guilt of our sin, but from the power of our sin and the condemnation uh, of the law, the law then describes to us what Jesus has freed us to be, uh, and how Jesus has freed us to be able uh, to live. So there's this royal law and law of liberty uh, and obedience to his commandments that is a necessary consequence of and fruit of his work in us. Uh, now we know, of course, we are not justified. We are not made right with God by what we have done, but by what Christ has done. And yet the only way of being united to Christ, the only instrument through which this standing with God comes by what Jesus has done, is by believing into him. But this believing into him is not a mere collection of words, as if it can exist without works. The works do not give us our standing with God. But without works, we cannot say that we have faith, because faith is more than mere words. And that is the point of the portion that is before us now. He asks, what does it profit? What use is it 
because faith into Jesus, faith that actually obtains Jesus himself, is going to be worthwhile. It would be very offensive uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ to say that you could have him and it make no difference in your life. Well, the reason faith justifies, or is an instrument through which we are justified, is not uh, because we say the right things or, or agree with the right things, is it? but because it obtains Jesus himself, Christ our righteousness. So his obedience counted for us, his uh, atonement counted against our sin and wiping out the guilt of our sin and the wrath of God due to our sin. But it's he himself who is our righteousness and he himself who is our atonement. And so this sort of faith, saving faith rather, uh, must be a faith that makes a difference because it is into Jesus and Jesus makes a difference. So he says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith, and there we're putting it in quotes, can the faith that is just what he says and doesn't make a difference in your life, can that quote-unquote faith save him? And of course the answer is not at all, because real faith is not just what someone says. It is something that God works in a person uh, to make him rest upon and believe into, be united with the Lord Jesus. Now this is true not just of believing into Jesus, but also loving our brother or sister. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and, and filled, but you do not give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? So you can see how he uses that phrase, what does it profit, to show that this is an analogy. Now, it's true that you should love your brother or sister with more than words. That's actually not the truth being taught here. That's assumed. If someone has, uh, you know, thinks that it's love to merely have feelings or merely say things and not to actually act in care for others. Notice you're not supposed to choose between one of those. Love should say those things. Love should feel those things. And love should do those things. And if any of them are missing, there's not love. Right? This is something that we're supposed to inherently know, but we are so self-deceived in deceiving others uh, that we're messing up even the love so that it doesn't work as a metaphor for many people here. But he's assuming that we know that love includes all of those things, or else it's not love at all. So similarly with faith, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And, and the word dead here means is not faith at all. It may have an appearance of faith, but it is as alive as a corpse has an appearance of a person. And yet without the spirit, the corpse is not alive, it's dead. Uh, and, and it's not a person. Uh, it will be raised again uh, for uh, being reunited with the person's soul uh, in the last day. So a faith that is mere words without works is no faith at all. And he comes to verse 18 and says, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And you hear what he's saying there. He's saying, you know, people can have different parts of faith. You have the uh, the faith part and I have the works part. Uh, show me your faith uh, without your works. Notice he's flipped it around here because the guy said, you have faith and I have works. Uh, and so that was the idea that the two can be separated. The two can't be separated. 
In fact, if you don't have faith, all of your works are, are bad. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, this is impossible to please God. Romans 14, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Uh, Romans 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Uh, and so not only is faith without works dead, but without faith, there actually are no good works. Anyone who thinks his works are good, apart from resting in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, apart from Christ's life in him, his works are bad. This was the problem of the scribes and the Pharisees, right? They thought their works were pretty good. That you know, Even God is sort of a little bit impressed with their works. But they didn't believe in Jesus. Their works were evil. We just heard, didn't we, in Matthew 5, our righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees for us to enter the kingdom. Matthew 5, verse 20. And so he says, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. One of the ways that I know I have believed into Jesus is he's making the difference in my life and he's the one who's producing good works from me. One of the ways I know that these works that he's producing in me are good works is because I have believed into Jesus. He is all my hope. He is all my life. He is all my righteousness. He is all my atonement. He is all my purpose. He is all my pleasure. Christian is someone for whom to live is Christ. And that's how he knows his works are good. Yes, you can measure an outward conformity to the law of God, but God looks not only on the outward appearance, but also on the heart. And it gets very tricky. It gets very tricky to try and evaluate uh, your heart by the Bible. We should. And praise God, his word reveals and thoughts uh, the reveals the thoughts and intentions of our hearts and uh, exposes us. But our hearts are deceitful above all things. So let us remember that uh, saving faith and the works that proceed from saving faith always go together. And that's why he says, I will show you my faith by my works. Uh, not only is uh, faith that is mere words not faith, uh, even accurate theology by itself is not saving faith. How do we know that? Because there are these creatures that have accurate theology called demons, and they are not saved. They are more accurate in their theology even than than many who say the same things, because at, the, at least the demon is kind of making personal application. Right? You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. They believe that God is one. This this confession that God is one comes from Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, Shema, Israel, Yahweh your God, Yahweh is one. And it's, uh, it's used as a summary for all uh, correct, accurate theology that is taught in the Bible as a whole. Demons have accurate theology. And they even have applicational theology. Isn't that what they recognize? When they recognize Jesus, they cry out in fear. You know, we know who you are and the Holy One of Israel. Have you come to destroy us before the time? Many people have accurate theology and don't even make any application of it. So the demons are ahead of them. But even accurate theology and applied theology are not by themselves saving faith. Because the demons have them and they are not saved. And so someone thinks, somebody thinks, of course, we want our theology to be as accurate as possible. And we want our theology to be applied as consistently and carefully and genuinely as possible. But if we think that saving faith comes from either 
of those two things or both of those things together, then we deceive ourselves. Because saving faith is a believing into Jesus that actually changes us and produces works, turns us from God's enemies as the demons know themselves to be, in verse 19, into God's friends, as he says about Abraham. At the end of verse 23 says he was called the friend of God. And so he says, do you want to know, oh, and the New King James says foolish man, better translation would be empty man or vain man, when he's using here the same sort of language that uh, the Apostle Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, in several places. Verse 2, verse 14, and verse 58. In each place, he uses the word vain or empty in conjunction with someone having believed to mean that they claim to have believed, they think they have believed, but they haven't actually believed. Or they haven't actually been united to Christ. They aren't actually going to be raised with Christ. Uh, and so this language, you foolish fellow, he's talking about someone who is, who thinks he's a believer but is self-deceived. He says, do you want to know, O vain man, that faith without works was, is dead? He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered our Isaac his, uh, Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? Now he's not saying, you know, he had faith back in verse five, back in Genesis 15 verse 6. And then in Genesis 22 when it was time to to offer Isaac, he added works. And now that he has faith and works, then he can be saved. No, he was saved, he was counted righteous in Genesis 15 verse 6. But that righteousness was through being made God's friend. Just as we know now that that when we believe, we're not just made God's friends. We are adopted as God's children because we are united to God's Son. And living in this side of Pentecost, not only are we united to God's Son by the work of the Spirit, He pours out the Spirit who dwells in our hearts by faith so that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, by the, by the indwelling of His Holy Spirit. And so this will display itself in our lives. In fact, when Hebrews 11 describes what Abraham did in uh, Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, that he offered Isaac because he figured he would get him back from the dead because God is able to raise the dead and God was the one who told him to do it. And so in his friendship with God and his dependence uh, upon God and his believing, uh, he was enabled to do the works. The faith produced the works. The faith wasn't missing something until the works came along. So we must read verse 22 very carefully in order to read it correctly. Because he says, do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. Not that the faith in itself was incomplete. But God makes the believer into what God has called the believer. And he does this to everyone whom he brings to faith. And if he is not doing this, if we think that we are, we believe, if we think we are counted righteous with him, and yet we're not seeing any fruit or any evidence or any difference in us, a difference that could come only from Jesus, then whatever we thought about ourselves was empty or vain. This word that is translated foolish in verse 20. And so verse 23 recognizes that 
Abraham was righteous at the moment of faith. He was the friend of God at the moment of believing. But that these are realities, not ideas, not collections of words. And the reality produces works in the life. And so we need to take all of verses 14 through 23 as the background for verse 24 so that we don't read verse 24 incorrectly. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. And reading it as a summation of the previous uh, 10 verses, we see that it's saying, you see then that a man is justified by a faith that works and not by a faith that is alone, right? The works are not gaining his standing with God. The works belong to the saving faith. And it is through that saving faith that he was united to Christ. It is through that saving faith that Christ is counted for him as righteousness. So when you believe, you are united to Christ. When you believe, Christ is counted to you for you as your righteousness. And when you believe into Jesus, he changes you, doesn't he? He produces works in you. The old way of saying it is, we are saved by faith that we are saved only by faith. But we are never saved by a faith that is alone. We are saved alone by faith. But we are not saved by a faith that is alone. So he says, likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works. He's not saying that she gained a right standing by what she did, is he? But what he's saying is, I mean, think about <coughs> what Rahab looked and sounded like. You know, she was a prostitute from Jericho. If she says, oh, I believe in Yahweh, then unless there's some actual difference, we would all say those are empty words. She is self-deceived. She's trying to deceive others. She's a fraud. But you see what she did. It was because she believed in Yahweh that she was more afraid of him than she was of what the men of Jericho would do to her. It's because she believed in Yahweh that she welcomed the people of Yahweh and hid the spies and sent people away and sent them off in another direction. So we need to remember that we need to have a humble view of ourselves and not think of ourselves as more reliable than that Gentile harlot Rahab. Who incidentally becomes like the, isn't it the great great grandmother of David? Maybe I've got the wrong number of greats. But we must remember that before our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Why would we believe ourselves if we said we believed in Jesus and it made no difference in us? That's no more believable than if a Gentile harlot says she believes in him and doesn't do anything different. Are we really more reliable, more trustworthy in ourselves? No. And so he uses her as kind of this ultimate example in verse 25 before concluding again, for as the body without the spirit is dead. You see a body, you do not see a person. You see something that belongs to a person and belongs to Christ. But you do not see the person, do you? As the body without the spirit is dead. We don't go up to corpses and say, get up, let's go. Remember to do your chores tomorrow. That would be insane to tell that to a dead body, wouldn't it, Sophia? Remember to do your chores tomorrow. The body without the spirit is dead. 
And so we should not expect faith to save me if it doesn't have works. That's not faith. It looks like faith. It's an empty shell that might have been faith if there was any actual animating reality to it inside. But a faith that is mere words is not real. There is no animating reality. There is no work of God in the man. There is no union with Jesus. And without Jesus, without Jesus, of course, there's no actual righteousness. There's no actual atonement. It's all in him. And that's why faith without works is dead. Because faith without works is a telltale sign that it doesn't have him. And if it doesn't have him, it's not saving faith at all, is it? For the Lord give us to rest in him, to rejoice that we have him, to give evidence in our lives by his grace, by his spirit, applying him to us, Jesus to us, to have the works that go with saving faith, because all of it comes from him. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given your son to be our righteousness, to be our atonement, to be our life to be our goodness, and we pray that your spirit would continue applying him to us. Lord, the incompleteness and imperfection of uh, our sanctification is often a trial to us because it hides from our eyes some of what Christ is doing and has done in us. So help us to keep looking to him and resting upon him, and grant, Lord, that as your spirit applies him to us, you would give us to see fruit. You would give us to see the effect that we may know that he has done this and that we have him and are in him. In his name also we ask it. Amen.